Amen. Praise God. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Psalms, which, for information, is the longest book in the Bible. So if anybody in the quiz asks you what's the longest book in the Bible, from now on you'll know the answer. Amen. The book of Psalms. Psalm 27. <laughs> We're going to read from verse 7 to 10. Psalm 27, verse 7. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Okay, Tim, so rest assured. All right, let's turn to Luke. Luke 15. And this is now a very well-known passage. The prodigal son. We've read it so many times, but let's just go through it again. There's something really beautiful here. Okay, Luke 15, 11 to 37. Then he said, now some people say this isn't a parable. Some people say it really happened. It's debatable. But anyway, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the young son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Prodigal living means spending your cash on rubbish. Okay, yeah, <laughs> Basically, wasting, your wasting your money on whatever turns you on. Okay, that's prodigal living. All right. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. 
But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. Heavenly Father, bless these words to our spirit in your mighty name. May we learn this morning all about you. Amen. Praise God. Now, the title of this message is Looking at Faces. Right? Looking at Faces. And part of this lesson is actually about hearing God's voice. All right? Not that, of course, I'm qualified to teach on the subject. I don't think anybody really is. But I'm going to give it a stab. Amen. Praise God. Now, I've always said this. When we read the Word of God, the Word of God is not just logical information. Does everybody get that? All right. The Spirit of God attaches to the Word of God. And you and I, with our spirit man, can hear what God is saying when we approach the Word, if we know how to do it. All right. And one of the keys is to use what I like to call our sanctified imagination. Amen? Imagination was given to us by God. Now, what is imagination? Imagination is seeing things that are out there that we can't with the physical eyes see. Amen? We can't see the prodigal son in the natural because he's not here. Although there are quite a few prodigals around. Amen? But the point is this, when we read the Bible, remember, the language of the Holy Spirit is pictures, right? pictures, visions. And you see, when we read the Bible, we need to open up in our mind to allow God to paint a picture using our sanctified imagination. All right? Now, we're not talking about Graham's book of imaginations. All right? We're not talking about creating doctrines that are not there. We're talking about taking what is there and allowing the Holy Spirit to make it alive. Because everybody grasped the picture, you see. That's how we meditate on the Word, by entering into the picture and seeing it with our imagination. And in that imagination, and in that picture, let me tell you, God can speak. And the way God speaks very often is through what I will call detail. Something that, when we look carefully, we can just notice. It's like when you look at a work of art, the great works of art, you can look at them over and over again. And every time, something else just comes out of it for you. You understand? But anyway, the point is this detail. Now, in particular, that's what I want to point out this morning. When we read these stories, a key to understanding what's actually going on is in our imagination to look at the expression on people's faces. Amen? Just spend time with our imagination, looking at the expression on people's faces. Let me explain. A lot of people complain about this story, this miracle, which is described as the miracle with a Syrophoenician woman. 
You might remember the story. It's in Mark. The Lord is tired. He goes into a house. He doesn't want to see anybody. He wants to recover. But there's a woman with a child that is demon-possessed. What anguish for a mother. Don't you think to have a daughter that... I can't imagine how she looked, but she probably went into spasm and rolled around on the floor, foaming at the mouth, and the eyes were popping out. That's lovely for a mother, isn't it, to have to put up with that day in and day out. So she's desperate, that's the point. And she knows that this man can set people free. But there's a problem in that she is from the other side of the tracks. (laughs) She doesn't qualify for God's grace, you see, with the Hebrew nation, because she's not a Hebrew. She's a Greek, a Syrophoenician. But all the same, she's desperate, okay? And that's a good place to be sometimes. Can I just say that? Because then we push in. So she comes to this house, which is locked to her, and she pushes through. She says, now I want to speak to him. Eventually, eventually, she gets to see him. And she explains the situation, and she says, Some words that, if we don't understand it, sound very terrible. Very terrible. Because he says to her, it's not fitting to give the children's bread to little dogs. Imagine. Imagine somebody says to me, Pastor, will you pray for me? It's not fitting. to throw a piece of steak to dogs. Oh, my soul. Do you think people get offended then? (laughs) Oh, my goodness me. (laughs) Now, the key to understanding all of this, all right, is to understand that there's something more going on than what seems to be the case on the outside. Please, very often with God, he does things We don't understand it at first, all right? So be careful of making judgments, rushing to conclusions. Fortunately, this woman didn't rush to a conclusion. She actually said to him, and yet the little dogs eat the crumbs off the floor under the table. She was prostrated. She she was desperate, all right? Now, the key to understanding this, before we get upset and think, oh, the man is so hard and callous, Look at his face. Look at his face. And if you look carefully at the Lord's face, there this woman is. She beseeches him. I love the word beseech. But he doesn't let her beseech him. He says, basically, your little dog turns around and in a sense starts to walk off. But look at his face. Look at his face. Do you know what you'll find on his face? This look. Oh, Father God, may she make it. Oh, Father God, may she make it. Oh, Father God, may she just make it. You understand? That's what he's thinking. And when she says, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs, the smile breaks over his face and he turns and says, for that saying, your faith has made your daughter well. You've got to understand, he came as an Old Testament prophet. Did you know that? And God had instructed him to heal the lost sheep of Israel. The plan was in that dispensation for the focus to be on the lost sheep of Israel. Can you see? 
so that they could eventually go and reach the Syrophoenicians and do the duty that they had to do. That was the plan. That was the dispensation that he was in. But what we've got to understand, this woman demonstrated sufficient faith to go right through that dispensation. Can you see? She had to have the faith to do it. And that's what his face was saying. Oh God, may she have the faith to do it. May she just push through. Do you think he wanted the child healed? Yes. So badly. But she had to show that faith. Can you understand? She had to break through that dispensational difference. All right. So that's one example. The classic example, when it comes to looking at the faces of people, is this parable of the prodigal son. Now, please, you've got to understand, when people speak, okay, what they say can very often be completely different from what they actually mean. Did you know that? (laughs) Did you know that? I'll give you a classic example. We've had some wild and woolly meetings in this church, let me tell you. We were at the school once, and Janet was busy with the ministry out on the street, you see. And one of the characters that she met was this mother, and this mother had a child called God Knows. <laughs> That's a lovely name for a child, God Knows. Now, this mother was a serial mother, let me put it that way. Her source of revenue was the state, you see. And for every child she produced, she managed to get, I think it's 500 rand worth of state grants, you see, per month. So, you see, she saw every child that she could produce as an extra income. <laughs> good way to get a raise. Don't think about it, but <laughs> it's a good way to get a raise is have another baby. So every nine months, she was guaranteed a 500 rand increase. She says, so by the time we got to, I think she had about 10 of them. So she was earning much more than we ever saw every month. And you know? so, I mean, she was wealthy. However, you understand it's quite difficult to maintain all these children. Yeah. So the morning came, we went to the gate and there's God knows standing at the gate. And he says to me, my mother's told me to come and stay with you. It's quite sad, I had to tell God knows That's not what we do here, we're not a boarding hostel Anyway, so in revenge I think What happened, because the news got out That the church fed people, you see We're having a service in a school nearby And at this particular service There were two ladies, two young ladies I think they were looking for husbands But they came to church, you see They said they were new in the area looking for a place to worship. You get the story. They're looking for a place to worship. Anyway, they're in the service. We're going along quite jolly, actually, with the service. It was going on quite well. But towards the end, that's when the bottom fell out. Because all of a sudden, God knows, and his mother, and all the other siblings pitched in, you see. So they came swamping into the service towards the end. It was a complete mess, complete (laughs) chaos. And I mean, we just... I don't know, we struggled through and tried to send everybody home. On the way out, these two ladies said, we're coming back. (laughs) That's what they said. But if you look carefully at their facial expression, what they were saying is, good luck with this. What I'm saying is, look at the face, you see. And very often, for example, I can say to Timothy, you're the most ugly thing I've ever seen. (laughs) And if you had to hear that, You'd say, well, what a horrible father, you know? But if you had to look at my face, you would see great love. Amen? <laughs> so you understand, when you want to read the story, look at the face. The face. Okay, let's put this all together. 
Here we have the story of the prodigal son. Now, the first stage is the prodigal son comes to his dad and basically says, show me the money. All right? Show me the money. And the father gives him the money and he's off on his way. What is the look on that boy's face? Right. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You should get the teenagers to run the world while they know everything. You know, you should get teenagers to run the world while they know everything. You understand? There's pride, there's um, king of the road. Um, you can see that on his face, can you not? What do you see on the father's face? Love and sadness, I think. The mixture, eh? Yeah. Because he understands what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, he's not a fool. He knows what's going to happen, whatever happens. Why? Because he's experienced. He's seen the world. He knows that that attitude doesn't take you far. I mean, but there's sadness too, because he knows that a difficult lesson. Right? So you can see that on his face. Although he doesn't say anything in the Bible. But basically says, off you go. That's what he says. But can you see? You can look at that. And very often you and I will find ourselves in the position where people say things and we know what it's going to cost them, but we can't say the word. Can you see that? We just can't say a word. Just have to bide our time. Amen? Anyway, so off he goes, and you know the story. He's having a wonderful party there, and the bottom falls out, you know. Money does run out if you don't work, and if you spend more than you've got sort of thing. Then the famine comes, obviously, tough times come, and he ends up feeding swine. Okay? I love this part of the story because he ends up eating the pods. And next to him is these porkers, you see. What do you think the look is on their face? <laughs> I should imagine those porkers are rather grumpy, you know, sharing their pods with this being here that doesn't belong here, you understand? But you can see they're a bit upset, you see. Yeah. These, I don't know if pigs have expression. Do pigs have expression on their faces? Any beast would have an expression if somebody's yeah. stealing their grub, all right? But anyway, so that's beside the point. But now, there comes a moment where it says, he comes to his senses. You know what I mean? He comes to his senses. What do you think the look is on his face right there? Quite a thought, isn't it? Can you see that face? Well, I think the key here is that all of a sudden he confronts reality. All right? He confronts reality. Now, the other day I was reading that scripture about sowing seed. The sower goes out to sow the seed. And we all know the story about some of it's good soil, some of it's not so good, some of it's rocky, some of it's got weeds. There's different kinds of soil. And I've always just thought, well, you just, for my part, I just sow the seed and the soil will have to take care of itself. But I learned something the other day, and God showed me that that soil can change. That soil can change. Soil that at one stage was rocky and shallow can change. Soil that at one stage was just concerned about the things of life can. can change. Do you see that? And 
I realize something that your and my responsibility is to sow the seed, but it's God's duty to change the soil. And very often we look at a circumstance around and say, well, that's terrible, terrible. How can God do that? And blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Life happens to change the soil. I mean, life happens to change the soil. For 20 years, I scoffed at religion, Christianity, for the weak, <laughs> the pathetic, those who needed a crutch in life. Have you heard that before? Yeah. But let me tell you something. At the age of 20, circumstances happened and God changed the soil. I mean, when that happened, that same seed that I'd probably heard so many times was able to produce fruit. Amen. And you see, there's a moment in time, I was speaking to a man yesterday. Circumstances, let me put it this way, have suddenly changed. And he faces a very uncertain future. Experienced man, he said, you know, I understand these things happen in life, but I never knew it was going to happen at the age of 65. Can you see? Now, what's happening there? The very same thing that's happening to this young prodigal. In that pigsty, feeding with the pigs, what happens? There comes that moment of realization. You see, you and I can quite easily live in what the Lord described as a bubble of our own education. You understand? The bubble of our own. When I say education, the sum total of all that we know, what we've heard, what we've learned, what we've believed, we can live in that bubble a whole lot. And even as Christians, let me tell you, the devil's trick is to put us into a little corner of just comfort. It's all going swimmingly but we're actually becoming detached from reality. That's when things happen. Life happens, and guess what? When life happens, that's when we come to ourselves. And you look at that expression on that young man's face. It's almost like, I can see clearly now. Blinkers, off. I was in this mode of looking after myself, whatever suited me, Whatever made me happy, that's all there was in life. And all of a sudden, can you see that? All right. So we can see his face. So much written in that face. And very often I think that happens to you and I. It needs to happen on a regular basis. Perhaps not as dramatically. But we need to take time just to stop and say, okay, where am I going? What is happening? What does God think about this? You understand? He might get a fright. He might get a fright. But anyway... He goes home. Now, here's a beautiful one. He comes home and he's got his whole nation lined up. He's going to tell his dad, sorry, I messed up badly. I'm not worthy to be in your house. I understand that. That's over. You understand? That's over. You can look on his face. Absolute humility. I don't belong here, but your servants do better than I was doing eating pig food. So let me just be a servant and at least I can get a decent plate of food. I mean, complete change in his attitude, if you look at his face, from what he was when he left. 
king of the road. I'm not fit to be in the house. Can you see that? Oh, complete change. Here comes the brother. Now the brother is the goody two-shoes, so to speak. The one that's towed the line his whole life. Done it all according to the book. You see? And in this moment where he hears the music and whatnot, he starts to think to himself, this is funny. All right? And when he discovers that this reprobate brother who is worthy of nothing but to be stoned is getting royal treatment, what do you think the look on his face is? What do you think, Cassandra? He's also like one of those pigs. <laughs> getting a bit grumpy about the whole thing. Yeah. You understand? Now, what's wrong with that? Is he not justified? What do you think? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is it a lovely face to look at? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing, isn't it, to look at this face now. Have you ever looked down on another Christian? One that's been a reprobate suddenly gets saved and then they get healed and you put up with backache for your whole life. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Huh? You think God? Are you really a fair God? But you see, the truth of the matter is that what hasn't happened in the one brother that's happened in the other. The soil hasn't changed. Can you see that? What is God more interested in? Our outward behavior or the quality of the soil? What is he more interested in? You and I are towing the line grudgingly. Why do I have to go to church? I'd rather stay in bed. <laughs> but I've got to follow religious instruction. What does God want? Can you tell me? He wants the soil to change. The soil to change. That's more important to him. And even though, yes, the younger son messed up royally, at least he came to his senses. You mean? And in that coming to his senses, what happened? The soil changed. The soil changed. No longer the proud, arrogant man, now humble, Son, willing to be a servant, you see. And although he blew half of the inheritance, doesn't seem to have bothered the father, did it? Didn't bother the father. We still got the fatted calf. Still got food. The inheritance will go on. I mean. But what was his heart? Now, you see, this is where we've got to look at a face. What I want us to do, just for a few minutes is look at the face of the Father. Just for a few minutes, what do you see written on the face of the Father? What can you see on the face of the Father? Then the Son comes back. Joy. Joy unspeakable. Relief. He had no guarantee that the Son would ever come back, did he? He knew what he was getting into could have actually cost him his life. You know, we talk about meditating on the word and you might say oh well where do you get that from the bible and 
Is it right to use our imagination? Can I just tell you something? The greatest artists of all time, they use the imagination. Amen. That's a picture painted by Rembrandt von Rijn, 1600s, middle 1600s. It's called The Prodigal Son Returns. One of my favorite paintings, works of art. Can you see that father's face? Could anybody do it better than that? Isn't that a beautiful picture? Isn't that a beautiful picture? Can you see? What is the lesson? What is the lesson? You and I, all of us, mess up from time to time. Do we not? Do we not? We all mess up from time to time. Some of us are better at it than others. Some, in fact, are highly skilled. I've got a PhD cum laude on messing up. (laughs) But guess what? You see, look at the father. Look at the father. What matters to him? What matters to him? He wants us back. Amen. He wants you and I back. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. And when we come back with the right heart attitude, guess what? He's even happier. Because you see, a son that's come back with the right heart attitude is better equipped to serve than one that has remained just cold and hard. They are lost. Amen. Praise God.